Shall I pray and then you just take it for where you want to go? Okay. Father in heaven, I thank you for this opportunity to share hearts and lives and and to connect in a way that communicates your grace. And Lord, I just ask you to be at the center of this conversation and may every word and every breath bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So good morning, Chris. It's great to see you and speak to you again on, uh, what are we on, Zoom? Good to see you, Mark. It is excellent to have this connection with Northern Ireland. You're looking good. Bless you. Thank you. It's obviously not a very good uh, picture you've got there, but I'll take that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, um, I don't normally have a beard, but I'm finding it's growing on me, so... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's uh, it's still nice to see it, bearded, bearded or not. At least you're not in your pajamas like you, you threatened. So I did threaten that. But <laughs> I've done church in pajamas on a Sunday morning. <laughs> well, that's maybe one of the positives to take out of this lockdown. Who knows what the future will hold? <laughs> we can we can come to that though, perhaps later. Um, so it's, it's fantastic that, that you've agreed to do this for us, Chris. It'll be a blessing to the guys in the church, I know. Um, it's, it's very kind of you to give up your time to do this. I wonder, would you maybe, not too briefly, but briefly um, give us a, a, a potted history of, of Chris Bowater, the legend that is? <laughs> Where did it all well, thank start? You, thank you for inviting me. I'm not going anywhere at the moment. Um, so it's a very useful use of time. I am 72 years of age, so I was born in 1947 um, in Birmingham. I have an elder brother who's four years older than I am. And um, we, we grew up in very uh, simple uh, circumstances. Um, my dad at that time was a truck driver, having come out of the war um, been involved in transport in the war, um, went through the Second World War, the most amazing experiences, but that's another day, another story. Uh, we lived in a two-up, two-down terraced house with an outside toilet in next door's garden. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, posh it wasn't. <laughs> um, and I always say you can tell people that had an outside toilet um, in their growing up years because they walk with a limp because one leg becomes longer than the other because when you're sitting there you put one leg against the door to stop <laughs> other people from coming in so over a, bit, over a period of time one leg gets a little bit longer than the other um, but it was a very simple beginning and mum and dad were, were great people, good people um, we, uh, we always had music in our home. Uh, my dad was a singer. My, my greatest ambition as a, as a young child was to, to play for my dad because he used to go around churches. Do you remember the days of the, of the gospel yeah. solo? 
going around local churches singing, and my dad used to do that. And that was my greatest ambition as a child, but we couldn't uh, afford piano lessons. Um, but I did play by ear, naturally. And so on my grandma's piano, I would always uh, tinker away, as they say, and um, hear songs and reproduce them as best as I could. And that's when I started getting into improvisation because I didn't read music. <laughs> and then one day when I was about 11 or 12, a very well-known piano teacher in Birmingham was told about me and asked if she could see me. And so we were taken to her house and she heard me play by ear. And uh, she said to my dad, I, I'd like to teach your son to play the piano. And my dad said, uh, well, that's very, very kind, but we can't afford you. And she said, I've not mentioned money. And uh, she said, I would like to give him piano lessons at my cost. And she did that from the age of 11 right the way to the age of 18 when I got to the Royal College of Music. And she got me in, grade eight pianist, and she also did singing coaching with me and, and other things. So I've got a lot to thank Mary Parsons for. Uh -huh. um, just a, a wonderful, wonderful woman. And uh, also perhaps created a value in my life about the generosity of your gift and of your time and of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, it's always good to, if you've, if you've got it, to give it. And so, um, so that was my beginning in music. And uh, I had a very good music teacher of grammar school who again encouraged me in composition and conducting the school choir and um, all kinds of things like that. I, I got involved in operas and uh, school musicals. Uh, and so I, I was the, the part of the cream of a grammar school, I guess, in terms of music. You know, I was a big fish in a small pond. Mm -hmm. And then I went to the Royal College of Music. <laughs> <laughs> and found that I was a very small fish in a very, very big pond. And I started meeting musicians who were talking about things I'd never even heard of. And it was a shock. It was a culture shock. Um, but it was a privileged education at the Royal College. And um, I studied conducting with Sir Adrian Bolt and I did piano and composition with Humphrey Searle and with, um, with other composers. And it was tremendously informative for me. Then very quickly, I, <coughs> I got involved with a group of guys who were jazz musicians. Mm. And uh, well, you know, this was like, I've been waiting for this all my life. Yeah. Because the sum total of my musical ex experience was classical music and uh, the Hallelujah Chorus and the hymn books. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, I could, I could almost call, recall any hymn. You just say the number, I knew the hymn. And then I could play hymns at the drop of a hat, as they say. Um, but when I started hearing about jazz, 
I love the coatings. I just love the, the, the sounds and the textures. And um, I got involved with these guys, but it was quite distant from my upbringing. It was very distant from my church experience. And I began to, uh, as we used to say, backslide. I began to just slide away from faith, walk away from it. Mm -hmm. um, but I would still be in parties, probably um, having had too much to drink of alcohol, defending the faith. It would be ridiculous. Somebody would argue with me about God, and I would literally put one man through a window, <laughs> which is probably not the best kind of evangelism, but um, <laughs> it, it's not seeker-friendly. Anyway. No, um, not so much. <laughs> Um, and it was whilst playing in the jazz club in Soho, which is self-defining of the kind of lifestyle I was having, with a quartet that God spoke to me. In the middle of a, a set, I heard a voice which said, Chris Bowler, what are you doing here? And uh, I shook my head thinking it was... Uh, a bad bottle of wine or something, you know. But the voice came again, my, my plans for you are so much greater. And you see, I did know the voice of God. I'd had a relationship with God. And in the middle of a set, I literally just got up from the piano and walked out of that club. Uh, the quartet became a trio. <laughs> um, I don't think to this day they realize I've gone. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just walked the streets of London in the early hours of the morning I just walked and walked I had no plan of where I was walking to I just walked but I found myself a long way away eventually I arrived in Ealing and uh, I sat on the steps of a church which actually was an Elam church in Ealing and uh, it was a kind of homecoming because my dad um, got saved through the Elam Church. Okay. And uh, so I sat on these steps and I cried out to God, uh, if you can do anything with this messed up life. Because not only was my life messed up, my, my college was on hold. I'd had a letter basically saying if things didn't change, I would lose my place. Right. And I said, please, God, sort me out. And it was there the, the idea uh, was birthed. Here I am, wholly available. I said, God, if you can do anything with me, here I am. And that was the beginning of my coming back to the Lord. Um, it's another long story. I won't go through this, but I, I went back to the college. I... I Acknowledge my problems to the principal, uh, Sir Keith Faulkner at the time. And I asked him for mercy. And uh, he kept me standing in his office, literally standing in his office, didn't even offer me a chair. <laughs> he, left, he left me standing for a whole hour while, uh -huh. he paced, while he paced around the room. And he eventually said, no one's ever asked me for mercy. Students in this college don't need mercy because they know the privilege of this college. Yeah. And, oh, my goodness. Um, 
But he says, I'm going to grant you your wish. Uh, don't let me down. <laughs> and on my graduation, he, um, he shook my hand and he kept me standing again for a long time. <laughs> he said, you didn't let me down. Well done. So that was my journey of coming back and then moving on. And then I went into teaching. I had a rapid promotional life in teaching, uh, which eventually took me to Lincoln. And in Lincoln, Mark, um, I got involved with a church. And all I can say is we were a Pentecostal church that had a move of the Holy Spirit, which okay. is a bit weird. Thus, we think that the Pentecostals have cornered the market on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit turned up in our church, turned us all upside down, inside out, every which way. Awesome. And that was, that was the beginning of me writing songs morning, noon, and night. Hundreds and hundreds of songs, just reflecting what God was doing in the church. Yeah. That's a brief history up until about 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. It's amazing how, how God, though, has um, called you in, in that, that club environment. Um, have, have you had any other sort of direct revelations like that since, or has that been the only one where you felt it so clearly? <clears throat> no, there's been a number of times when... Um, I've known that God has been taking me on one side or putting me on one side. I've suffered all my life with quite chronic illness. Mm. Um, my doctor says I live 120% uh, percent of life on 40% health. <laughs> and, um, and so um, I remember being in hospital a number of years ago, uh, not far really from death. Um, wired up for everything and on oxygen and everything, a bit like the coronavirus things. That's mm. why I'm in the, um, the high-risk category at the moment. Um, but I remember having a dream. <laughs> and in that dream, uh, there was a, a battle going on over my life. And there was a voice which was saying, take him out, take him out. And then I heard the voice that could only have been the Lord saying, stand back, he's mine. <laughs> and I've not finished what I had purpose for, for this man. And from that moment on, my recovery began. And um, the scripture, he who has begun a good work will accomplish it, became very precious to me. Mm. So yes, there's been a number of instances of, of crisis, of um, all kinds of challenges. Uh, my wife and I got five children, but includes triplets. I mean, that was a bit of a bit of a shake-up for us as a family. Mm -hmm. But just as I was going full time in, in worship ministry, uh, we had a we had the triplets added to our family. So I went from um, a good uh, head of department salary. Um, down to probably a third of that. And so we had to begin to trust God in a way for family and for everything. And one of the children is um, is Hannah, and Hannah is born with special needs. Mm. Uh, she's 
the, she was the middle one of the three. But my song, Faithful God, I don't know whether you... Faithful God. song has influenced hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people around the world mm. simply Hannah. and so yeah God has spoken in all kinds of ways and met um, with us in fact I preached on Sunday on on YouTube and Jesus met them uh, after the resurrection Jesus met them Mm. And I, I've had that experience of Jesus meeting with my life. It's awesome. You can you can tell you're you're still heavily influenced by the jazz, Chris. Even just the the way you played that there, there was there's definitely little overtures of it. Um, how does it feel though? You know, you, you mentioned there that 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 faithful God and and it is it's a beautiful song. I've I've played it many times myself. Maybe. One or two fewer than you, but how does it feel knowing that you have obviously with God's help created something like that and had such a massive influence on so many people across the world? How, how do you sort of process that emotionally? It's totally humbling, Mark. It really is. Um, what's even more humbling is that I'll tell you... Um, a couple of things, but it's even more humbling when you hear your own songs in different languages. Mm. And um, and I remember in Poland hearing uh, a Polish congregation conference of a few thousand people singing "Lamb of God, Holy One, Jesus Christ, the Son of God," and being totally overwhelmed, <laughs> and and knowing that in um, in countries like Korea, Lamb of God has become like an anthem in that country. And um, you can go almost any church in, in Korea and they sing Lamb of God still. Um, but I'll tell you another story, which is all part of how a song that you release actually comes back to you. Um, I was in Korea again uh, with my wife and we went to do a series of meetings, which included a midweek uh, worship evening. And we're talking about numbers that we don't see at all in, in, in our country. But this was a Wednesday night with 6,000 people. <laughs> and um, they'd got everything prepared for me. They got a grand piano on the, on the platform. And they were singing a song to start the evening. And I was on the side of the stage with my translator waiting to be introduced with, with my wife and they started singing a song and I was going I recognize that what is that song and the translator looked at me he says oh, I'll have a look and he then said 
are you having a joke with me? I <laughs> said, no. <laughs> he said, it's one of your songs. Now, as a back story there, we'd gone to Korea on that time out of some real big challenges that I was almost this close to just walking away from the ministry altogether because it was tough and it was hard and it was challenging in all kinds of ways. <laughs> anyway, he says, would you like your song says? <laughs> yes, please. And it's one you won't know, Mark, and it's not necessarily that well known in, in the UK, but it's very, very well known in, in Korea and Singapore and Asia. And the words were, I will stand, I will stand. I will stand in Jesus' name for the things that God has given. I will stand in Jesus' name. Well, I was reduced to a crumble. I was, I was on my knees weeping because God had taken me several thousand miles to bring me the, my own words back to me. And almost to say, no, Chris, you're not going to give up. You're not going to quit. You wrote these words way, way back then, but I'm now reminding you, you promised to stand. And you're going to stand in Jesus' name. Oh, my goodness. And uh, things like that are just astonishing to hear your, your songs in, in French and Portuguese and Thai languages and Cantonese and Polish and Romanian, even American. <laughs> it's, 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 it's really so, so humbling. It really is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, I, I just can't imagine you know, having that kind of, of influence, but it, it's, um, you know, it, it's obviously an amazing gift. Uh, and I'm sure you will be crowned with many crowns uh, that you will be able to give straight back to Christ whenever we get there. It's, um, I think, if I'm honest, um, and, and this isn't just for this interview, but the crowns will go to my wife, not me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, because she's had to do my journey with us, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes it's harder standing by watching, you know, and she's been at home when I've been traveling the world. She's been at home with the five kids. And I promise you, um, if there's any crowns going, <laughs> they'll, be, they'll be sent back to the feet of Jesus or... <laughs> Or Leslie or Heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Very good. So how many countries have you been in? You've obviously travelled about quite a bit. 52. Wow. One for every week. Well, <laughs> it seemed like that at one time. <laughs> <laughs> so even in that sense, you know, the opportunities that you've had to um, to be with other believers and in lots and lots of different cultures. Did, do you think that that influenced your music or was your influence very much from home that you were, you were taking out to these different countries? Or why, why do you think okay. maybe that there's, there's certain songs, because you mentioned there, there are certain songs that are maybe more popular in, say, Southeast Asia. Why, why is that, do you think? 
I really don't know. Um, it's a question I've asked. I think, I think when you understand the culture of the church in, in Southeast Asia, um, that to actually stand, for instance, um, to be a Christian is at a price. I, I remember being in a conference in Thailand uh, with about 600 young people. Again, I, I had a team with me, but I had my wife there as well. And uh, I asked the question, how many of these uh, young people, all under the age of 25, how many of them are first-generation Christians? Because it's, it's not essentially a Christian country in Thailand. No. And um, they said about 90% are first-generation Christians. And then they started to tell me the price that was paid for them to be a Christian, of, of being completely and utterly abandoned and rejected by family, um, even hunted for death mm. uh, because they become Christians. And I think some songs resonate with the cost factor within countries. And I guess that, that worries me that in, in our culture we sing so easily mm. profound songs that are are deep cries of the heart, but actually there isn't a cost factor, by and large, not at the moment. Um, I'll also say I, there's a song that has become very well known in France and Portugal, which is, again, is not a huge song in Britain, um, but it soaked me in the river of your love. can hear it's a very minor mm. key and there's a style of singing in Portugal called the fado and the fado is like a folk sound mm -hmm. and they they use a fado uh, string guitar instrument and that song fits perfectly the fado right so so in Portugal soak me in the river of your love has become a legendary song in the church there, uh -huh. and um, and in France also. But I was going to say, I think in this season of lockdown, people are asking me, what what are we needing to learn? And having thought about it, I think one of the things we are needing to learn, Mark, is how to worship at home. Mm -hmm. how to worship uh, because we're now actually under some pressure when you haven't got the band there to encourage you and to lead you uh, you haven't got people around you to make yourself look good in front of you know <laughs> it's just your wife and the dog you know <laughs> mm -hmm. But how we worship at home is almost like as, as it was in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because worship in the home was how the church began. And I got a feeling there's a full circle going on here. Because if we can't worship at home, I'm not sure how relevant our corporate gatherings are. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, this is a real game changer. That 
whatever church looks like after this, it's not going to be the same again. Mm -hmm. Nor should it. Nor should it be the same again. Correct. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think we are being changed, but I think how we do church is equally on the agenda. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny you, you mentioned that because it hasn't been aired yet. Uh, it probably will have been by the time this gets aired with the church, but I did a bit of an intro for the, the music on Sunday and, and it talks about worship and what it is and it is more than just singing a song obviously it's it's the the, um, the hebrew word avodah everything that we do from when we wake to when we go to sleep um so you know worship is absolutely you know in the home and if you can't be worshiping at home then you're you're right corporately mm. is is there value is there truth in it is it is it you know worshiping in spirit and truth that's it's um, it is a very interesting thing to think about, and, and it's a very challenging thing to think about. I, I remember at um, one of the conferences in Eastbourne, Aaron Keyes was was teaching, um, bless him, and he he talked about worship leaders, and he actually challenged us, saying that if you can't lead worship without music, you shouldn't be a worship leader. And it was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll take that one away and think about that for a bit, but it's true, you know, it, it's, uh, it's... We have a default, don't we, and the default is um, not so much as it was in the beginning, so shall it be now, forever, amen. It's as it is on the CD, let it be. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And we, we, try to, we try to replicate songs and sounds, but... It's the song and the sound of our hearts that's going to ha actually have to be heard that's right. in this time. One of the things that we're loving as a family, because we've got family that are spread out, spread out. we've got family in Eastbourne, actually, mm -hmm. um, and family in Nottingham and family in Leicester and, and Lincoln. But on a Sunday, we, we connect together in the afternoon. And so all the grandchildren and all the, all the big people are coming together. And um, it's so lovely to have connection spiritually uh, from homes um, in a very different way that might not have happened at all without this crisis. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we're, we're blessed as well to have all of this technology um, that is available to us to be able to, to connect like this, even even us obviously speaking now, but it's um, I think it does. It'll be interesting to see just once all of this is over, what we do go back to, and, and I know we've already said it shouldn't go back to being the same, but I think we've we've taken for granted, you know, just how easily we have been able to do things to connect with people and and you know to come and go as we please, and just this this period of um lockdown or whatever we're calling it it's it's it does maybe focus the mind a wee bit more on on what's important um i think another I, thing that's just as a kind of jokey thing but we often we often accuse our teenagers of being always on internet but i think there's <laughs> going to be an older generation that they're going to get addicted to internet. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's right. It's created a monster now. We'll be <laughs> we'll be tortured by the the older relatives trying to FaceTime you and Zoom you and all sorts of things. All the time. Yes. There's more meetings now than we used to have. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh dear. What do you think the future of the church will look like? Um, or, or could look like, perhaps, as a better, or should look like, once once we get back to meeting together, will it be different? I think it's going to have to be different because I think that maybe um, um, self isolating and distancing is going to go on longer mm. than any of us imagine <coughs> at the moment. I think. Uh, gatherings are going to be monitored very very carefully yeah so there's going to be a long time i think the church will grow i really do because there are people that are coming in online with us in churches more than actually come to our churches okay and so so there are people looking in on the church who are either not yet christians or are people who have walked away from faith but once had it, mm-hmm. or people who are now being caused to think of serious issues, of, of terminal issues really in their lives. Mm-hmm. And the, the old adage that people can live without God, but not many people can face dying without God. And so there's a real sense that I think people are searching for something so that they're jumping in on, on, on meeting. And that puts a huge responsibility on us as to what we're saying and what we're doing. But will the gatherings ever be the same again? No, I don't think so. I think we are learning a community that, I don't don't know your church, so I can't speak from it. I've, I've been in some great churches in my life, but community, uh, in the deepest sense of the word often doesn't exist you know we were friendly but we're not friends mm. and there's a huge difference there um we're friendly on a sunday because hey you know it's good to be friend- friendly on a sunday but to actually walk with friends and to actually understand that we need each other is a profound shift really Mm-hmm. And I think church is going to cause our relationships to um, go deeper and more meaningful. I've already talked about worship. I think that's got to change. I think one of the things, dare I say, <coughs> is that it's not easy to reproduce some of the difficult songs in the home context. Mm-hmm. There's almost a returning to simplicity again. Um, and I, I have worried over many years, we've had this conversation, yeah, that yeah. We've, we've got too clever for our own good mm. on, on, on some of the songs. Um, and I don't mean by using, you know, colourful chords or things like that, because those colourful chords are just based on simple chords. I'm talking about, you know, the the length of words and um, the complexity of words and lyrics. Um, 
I don't think you're going to find people in the home context asking the question, you know, uh, does this song need a bridge? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> because, you know what, that is the most irrelevant question at the moment. Uh, <laughs> it's People do ask me sometimes, I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit silly here, but people do ask me, does this song need a bridge? And I often say, no, it isn't going anywhere. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> but all of a sudden, I think we're finding out the, the worth of simple truth and simple melodies that are easy to remember and lyrics that are in your heart where you don't need a screen to, to see the words and all that kind of stuff. So I think there is a rediscovery of simplicity. Mm-hmm. Um, is this doable? Well, I hope so. I hope so. I hope I'm not just being idealistic, but um, um, I, love the, I love the church. I love the church with a passion. And um, I'm so grateful uh, to God that he has chosen, that he says in Ephesians, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of Christ is going to be made known mm. to the world. And I think the big the big story is that the church um, is becoming visible. Becoming visible through its good works, mm-hmm. you know, and it's becoming visible through its good words and through its good ways, you know. And I think the church is suddenly, people are beginning to realize, golly, look at these people, look what they're doing. Mm. And coming back to the relationship thing, it's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. It says, everyone will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. Mm-hmm. And so this is a time to really be looking out for each other. It's a time for really expressing love in not a superficial way, but a real deep, uh, meaningful way. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have... Uh, such an opportunity to you know to spread that message and, and that word uh, and the fact that we can use the internet to do that and get into people's homes that you never would have had a chance to do before and you maybe even don't even know you know who whose home you're in um this this is fulfilling the, the instruction go ye into all the world absolutely absolutely yeah yeah really yeah. And going and going into everybody else's world. Mm-hmm. You know, for years we've been telling people to come to church. Mm-hmm. But now the church is going to We're going to them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's an it's an exciting time. As difficult as it is as it is for a lot of people and, and I think some people are enjoying it more than others perhaps, but um I read something um, recently that, you know, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different boats. Yes, I saw that, yeah. And I think that's, that's a profound comment because I think uh, people are dealing with different issues at this time mm-hmm. in their own particular boats, you know. Um, I've got in my own family, um, some of them have got too much work to do. Mm-hmm. Still, they're, they're having to work, you know, 12, 15 hours a day at the moment. And then you've got those who've got no work to do. 
And you've got those who are still earning their money and they're still earning their income, and you've got others who their income has just been completely wiped out mm-hmm. because they're part of um, the freelance world, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we are all in the same storm, but we're actually riding in different boats. And uh, we need to be looking out for each other because we, we're good at putting on a face. Mm. And um, I'm okay, you're okay kind of thing, you know? But beyond that and be beneath that, there's often deeper questions to ask of each other, mm-hmm. you know? So let's do that together as a church and as God's people. Let's, let's be kind to each other and be kind to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, it's a great message and it's a great analogy, I think, because even, you know, if we're all in our own little boats in a storm, there's much more strength. It's, it's like the, the three chords. You know, if, if you bring all of the boats together and, and tie them together and support each other, you're much more stable and you're much more yeah. likely to get through all of this, whereas lots of individual boats, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to see some losses. I think. Moving that on a little bit and... and maybe to leave this with your people um, because it is a storm we're in and I want you to know the storm hasn't taken Jesus by surprise. You know, God hasn't fallen off his throne in, in complete confusion. And I'm reminded of the time when Jesus got into the boat with the disciples and then they got caught in a storm mm-hmm. and Jesus, went as, Jesus was so bothered about the storm that he went to sleep, you know. <laughs> bothered, not. Um, and the disciple says, don't you care that we're going to die? <laughs> what a question to ask Jesus. Don't you care? And um, eventually Jesus eventually turned to them and um, said, look, it's, be- it's almost better to have me asleep in your boat than not in your boat at all. Yeah. <laughs> but what I always love about that story is the disciples had forgotten at the very beginning of the story, Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. And so I would like to say to everybody in East Point Church, there is another side to this. And Jesus says, we're going to get to the other side. And um, we'll see each other on the other side. Um, Not way beyond Jordan, but we'll see each other on the other side. Uh, Because Jesus is with us. And he's purposed that we will travel through this storm. So I take great encouragement in that story. Um, And then he's quite capable of standing up and telling the storm to be quiet. Mm. Amen. Amen. It's been a privilege to talk to you, and I hope that some of this is is helpful to your people. I'm looking forward to bringing a message in a few weeks' time as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to be talking on plans. Okay. Okay. And the Bible says the plans I have for you. And many of us are dealing with plans that aren't happening. Mm-hmm. So we're going to look at that and um, be encouraged in, in the Word together. Sounds good. Sounds good. I shall look forward to hearing that, as I'm sure the rest of the folks in East Point will too. Please give them my love. And um, 
I, I send you a, a socially distanced hug. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> well, it's well received and it's uh, great speaking with you again. And hopefully, Chris, I know we'd, we'd talked about um, you being over here this springtime to do something with us, but that's obviously not happened now. But at some point in the future, we would love to have you uh, come and, and spend some time with us again. It was such a blessing to have you here last time you were you were with us so um obviously you, you Can I just say, this isn't my song by the way but <laughs> in the absence of a real hug Bless you. Thank you for playing that. Bless you too. And may you, as a family, know his arms of love around you and uh, keep you. And keep you in perfect peace. And to all in, in the church and all who are watching in, in this time of real challenge for all of us. May you know that, that the Bible says underneath and round about are the everlasting arms. Mm. May you be held in his sovereign love and care. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Shalom, my peace.
you up 